1077 The Franchise is your flagship for Oklahoma sports. So we decided to launch a podcast with the very best names in Oklahoma sports media to cover it. When they said no, we called in some interns. Thank goodness John changed his mind before we did something stupid. This is Inside OU with John Hoover on the Franchise Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Inside OU Podcast. This is Brady Trantham. Uh, This is episode five or six. I mean, I don't know. It's game week, though. It is game week. And for the first time in the Inside OU Podcast's small little history, um, we've got the all three horsemen in the same room. So uh, Rufus Alexander to my right, Mr. John Hoover, who is wounded, wounded right now to my left. Uh, John, go ahead before we get started. You're going to have to tell everybody this story because it looks pretty painful. I'm playing hurt. That's what. That's all this is, man. It's game week. It doesn't matter what happened. Got to get on the field. Got to get out there. Uh, so OU this year celebrating their 125th college football season, and uh, they have hung signs off of the light posts all around campus. Problem is the signs are about five foot eight inches high. And I walked right into one. I was, I was turning, I was crossing the street like this, you know, Jenkins, trying to get across Jenkins to get to my car and whew, full speed, full speed walk. So anyway, here it is for the folks on camera. It's horrible. That is why he's sitting to the left. <laughs> Brady. John, John, admit it. You're a millennial. You were looking at your phone and you ran right into it. I was trying to get across the street. I was trying to stay alive. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking a few people going to crush into it into for the game. Oh yeah. oh, yeah. I mean, there might be some inebriated people. I mean, I, I can't confirm nor deny what's going to happen. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely be out, th- out there, so hopefully I don't kill myself. But, yeah, everybody, um, football season is finally here. Um, we got to watch some pretty wacky, boring games. Uh, Miami, Florida wasn't too boring. A lot of stuff happened. What? It was. Weird. It, it, it was. was weird. It was a weird game. Yeah, and by the way, for everybody watching on camera, sorry that I have to awkwardly sh- shove a mic in John's hand, but only got two. Budget. The budget is low. Um, no, Miami. Need more subscribers so we can get the budget high. Oh hell yeah! How about that? Um, Miami, Florida was fun in that a lot of things happened in it, but it was poorly played. But it was fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, that last. Quarter and a half. It was. It was. There was interesting. nothing fun about that game. I mean, the game. I mean, offensively, they both were as bad as it gets. I mean, Florida for all the antics that Felipe, whatever his name is, does on the sidelines, going to the crowd. Yeah. I mean, they didn't. They weren't very impressive defensively. Uh, if uh, the young kid, uh, what's his name, Williamson, I think is the quarterback for Miami. Oh, Darren uh, is it Williams. Jaron, Jaron, Jaron Williams. Jaren Williams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it, it's not Tate. Yeah, <laughs> right. if he would, if he would go, not if yet. he would change the snap count, he would give his his left tackle a little bit of a chance in the game. But he never changed his snap, his snap count. The offensive coordinator didn't even send nobody to chip on the guy or nothing. He just kind of sat him back there to get his butt killed. And Florida couldn't really do anything anyway. I mean, that SEC offense stuff is just. Oof. I mean, I was bored out of my mind. Yeah. I thought it was an entertaining game. Um, but football is better than no football. Right. It was an entertaining game in that both teams were not prepared to play. Both teams were <laughs> both making team. mistakes pre-snap, personal fouls. Both teams wasn't tackling. Yeah, no tackling. Uh, and let's remember, guys, Florida right now is the eighth-ranked team in the country. Yeah, if they're so the eighth-ranked team. Oh that my shows gosh. you right there the difference between a college football playoff contender, a national championship contender, and the eighth-ranked team in the country. That team's not ready to compete for a title. No. Um, I mean, Hawaii game was a lot more impressive. 
Not for Sumlin, but it was impressive. <laughs> no, uh, I mean the only the only positive I can take out of Miami, Florida, is thank God Miami wasn't ranked because how long did LSU live off that ranked win over Miami last year? Even though Miami became an average to below average team, like Florida's not going to be able to live what? off of that because Florida, like like you said, that boring ass offense that's going to catch up to them at some point. They're not going to win a lot of games. I mean, if they play against Alabama. I mean, everybody else in that league will probably have a boring offense besides. A&M and possibly Alabama, Georgia. But after that, I mean, who else is throwing the ball all over the place, stretch you out defensively, has a good quarterback? Name yeah, the good I, quarterbacks in the SEC. Yeah, I don't know Auburn's quarterback <laughs> situation. I can't remember what the guy's name is, but isn't Malzahn calling? He's calling the plays again, isn't he? Okay. Yeah, so maybe that could be interesting. I, I mean, I don't know. The SEC is what it is. It's pretty damn good, but yeah. We'll get there. We have plenty of time to talk about that as the season wears along. But, yeah, guys, uh, technically it's game week. Well, not necessarily technically because, like I said on Twitter today, Sunday is the beginning of the new week. So we're still not there. But uh, rest assured, Lincoln Riley had his press conference today. John, you were in attendance. You put out an article basically on your on your first question, uh, and I just wanted to give you some time to basically talk about it. And for those that haven't been, had a chance to read it, it's on thefranchiseok.com, so check it out. Yeah, thefranchiseok.com. That's our website at the radio station. Uh, check it out. Got some videos posted of all the players as well as Lincoln Riley posted into embedded with that column. So if you want to one-stop shopping for all your column needs, all your video needs, there it is. Uh, what I asked was <clears throat> last year's defense, which we all know was technically, statistically the worst in school history. They were awful. They, it got got. It was bad enough to get the coordinator fired at midseason, which – Never happens at OU. Never happens at OU. You, you shouldn't have you, been fired. You should you, have been fired the year before. Year before. Thank you. You take a guy like Willie Martinez who got fired. Bob didn't fire him till after the season because it's so disruptive. That's how bad things had gotten with that defense. But after one game last year, Florida Atlantic, and after two games last year, UCLA, we came out of that game saying, golly, this OU defense could be for real. This OU defense has really improved from last year. This is us talking in 2018. What happened? A month later, Mike Stoops gets fired because things had gotten so sideways. So what I asked Lincoln was, given that that w there was a huge overreaction to last year's performance against Florida Atlantic, who was supposed to be good offensively, UCLA, who was supposed to be better offensively, is there, is there a, a desire on your part or maybe a tendency to say – Whatever happens week one, don't overreact. And he said, well, whatever happens week one, you can guarantee the fans will overreact. Whether it's good or whether it's bad, the fans are going to overreact. I mean, you then gave a guy, what, almost $500 million, I guess? I don't know. I mean, they gave a guy a lot 1. of money. 1.4. 1. $1.4 million to be your, offensive your defensive coordinator. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, um, no matter what happens this first game, he's going to be here. For the Mike Stoops thing, I think after you had the Georgia situation, you had to, you should have made the move to move yep. on. It's just unacceptable for a team to be able to run the ball the way they ran the ball against you. So I think the move should have been made then. But, hey, I am not the guy making the calls and all that stuff. So it, they did it the way they did it. I didn't think much was going to change just because, I mean, you you go through a camp and you're doing the same things and you're, you're, you have the same guys out there. It, it doesn't care. It doesn't matter what the words were saying here or there. You're not going to make those guys tackle better. Yeah. If they if you could have made those guys tackle better, then Mike Stoops would still have his job. They were missing tackles. They were play, plays where they had plays to be made for a two-yard loss and you would get a missed tackle and they turn it up and they're down. 
down the field. So a lot of times if you watch what happened last year and the way they played in a lot of games, they had tackles for losses and they just never made the play. Um, the cool thing about Grinch is he harps on it. He is all about it. He's like, all right, he would have had that in the game mm-hmm. in practice. No, he's you, you thud up. You make sure you have that. I need three or four other guys that's right there with you. So you, you like what Grinch is saying. And, and, uh, and I just think Mike just, you know, kind of fell into his own stubborn ways and yeah. stuff. And he just kind of. Inflexible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'll tell you another thing. You talk about the defensive line and, and you talk about playing in the other team's backfield, tackles for losses. You look at Neville Gallimore, does he not look like a different guy? I, he's, he's in his polo today, his OU polo. And I was just like, look at – he didn't look like that last year. And I asked him, I said, so how much weight did you lose? And he starts laughing. He says, I lost 30 pounds. Okay, was, was it hard to lose that 30 pounds? Or do you look back on it now and look how your performance is and what you look like and feel like and look back and say, golly, why didn't I do that before? And he, he, you know, he talked about the things he had to give up, late night pizza, double cheeseburgers, you know. Uh, he still eats some of the good food, but he, he uh, eats, eats less, less of it. Of it. Yeah. yeah. And the whole point is they're, they've changed the way they approach themselves. They've changed the way they think about themselves. Neville Gallimore looks like a, a bodybuilder now almost. I mean, he's got the big old traps coming up and huge shoulders. He had them before, but they were under a layer of flab, right? Because that's how they, they wanted their guys to be big space eaters, two gap players, and just get up there. And now they want guys to knife through the line and be quick. Be Use quick. your, yeah, and disrupt things. I think that's going to be a real real difference for this team and this defense this year. And definitely, though, definitely on that. I, I mean, I, I watched um, last year and watch how those guys look. And lo- losing 30 pounds in college is not very, not very hard to do. I don't think whenever I played, it was pretty easy to go up or down. If I wanted to, I knew what I needed to do to lose 10. I knew what I needed to do to gain 20. So. Yeah, I, I don't know how accurate. Accurate Sooner Sports, um, their pages are, but I looked I looked up your playing weight, and you jumped up 15 pounds after your freshman year, and then you dropped off five pounds, and that was basically your playing weight yeah. like, as from your career on. I know. Yeah, that's kind of how it went. And um, when I tore my ACL, I mean, I jumped up a lot. I was up to like 250 pounds, and I couldn't move, and I was like, forget this. And Brent, Coach Venables was like, oh, you need to stay at that weight. I'm like, nah, Coach, I think I'm going back down. I can't stop when I'm running. Because it just took me forever to change directions and go the other way. I'm like, no, no. I mean, and it wasn't like it was fat. It was just muscle on top of muscle. I mean, I don't feel like being a bodybuilder running out there in pads. So I slimmed back down and got down to like 235, then got down to 225-ish and stuff and like played kind of at that 230-ish range, which was fun. Which was fun. It allowed me to just kind of play and have fun. So it was good. I'm not going to say who he was referring to, but. One time, Venables was telling Venables was the best when it came to media after practice Tuesday night. One time, he was telling us about a linebacker who couldn't change direction. It wasn't you, but it was a, one of his linebackers. He said it was like that cartoon guy when he's trying to change direction. Um, like he has to hop on it one foot to get himself to stop. I think it may have been Lamont. <laughs> it may have been Bup. I don't know who who it could yeah, have been. It, it was, what year was it? Uh, it was uh, I don't know, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, something like Oof. that. He's like, uh, we're talking. So can he? Uh, he goes, no, man. He can't. He can't change direction. Every time he tries to stop and change direction, it's like that cartoon guy. <laughs> oh man, no, nah, wasn't Brandon Crow. Brandon Crow. He had one chance. Hey man, it was straight up like the Eminem song. You only get one you know shot. What? Bless his heart. Shout out Brandon Crow if you're listening to this podcast. We love you. I mean, you got I'm mentioned. Tried your best. You tried. You're better than I am, so you can take that. You can take that and run with it. But um, actually, Rufus, I was going to ask you about the whole topic of these defensive linemen losing weight. And I understand the um, 
like in theory, like it goes in with the speed D topic. Um, you want them to be quicker. You want them to be faster uh, because at the end of the day, you know, guys like Kenneth Mann, uh, Fama Tahu, who like, I hope that's how you say his name. I know he's that just like that. Okay. John said it off mic. So, um, we're going to go with Dylan. Okay, so those guys are not going to overpower that many pe- those that many people just from a brute strength standpoint because they're just not there. But my worry is Rufus in the two games OU lost last year, Texas and Alabama, like they just did not win the line of scrimmage battle. And having quicker, shiftier offensive or defensive linemen, yeah, you might be able to run around guys. And we've seen OU opponents in the past that had smaller, undersized, quicker defensive lines run around like mountain men on OU's offensive line. So it can work. But I guess just as a fan, there's that there's always that worry that maybe being too small isn't the best idea. But I was just curious how you felt about that. Well, if you go back to the old defensive linemen of OU, I mean, you're only powerful in one position, right? You had Corey Klein, who was powerful in the middle. You had Dusty Dvorak, who was powerful in the middle, right? So your players that you had and you played in that position, that's your A-gap. That's the one that you want to require a double team. So I only want to require one person to require a double team. Tommy Harris was never a guy that took on a, a lot of double teams. Dan Cody kind of stretched out wide, and which made the tackle have to shift out a step wider, and would also made the guard have to shift out a step wider. So, therefore, it made a gap wide open for a linebacker. And Dusty Dvorak, if you blocked him with one person, he was up the field and he was making the tackle. So, you only need that one person that you need to require a double for. Um, and that's how the defensive lines were built. That's how I was, was – that's how we had – that's the way we were formed. You you had your one monster guy that was right there and that can do, like, just virtually anything he wanted if you blocked him with one person. And I've watched Dusty take – 350-pound guys and pushed them in the backfield when they said they was going to block them with one person. They had to put two people on them, and that make your linebackers have to play a little bit faster downhill so he can get one of the guys off of them. Um, I think now with the smaller defensive linemen and what they're trying to do, I still think Neville Gallimore will be a force. He'll have to be somebody to have to be doubled when he come on the other side of the line, um, whatever they slant to. I mean, it's not going to be the slanting and moving and all that stuff. It's not going to be hard not to pick up. I mean, Neville Gallimore is either going to A or A. You know, he's not. He's you know, he's not going to be, you know, going all the way to B gaps and all that stuff. He'll yeah. he'll do some unique things and stuff, but he'll virtually he'll be over the ball going from A to A. He's d- basically going to be your Dusty Dvorak. If I look the way I've seen him play, in practice and stuff, and he's going to slant and he's going to take the what he's going to try to do is take the center and move him to a side, move him to a side, and he's going to get his get his speed and go into the guard and hold two gaps right there. Mm. And so that's going to be something that's going to help them out a little bit. I think it's going to clear up the gaps and would it clear up the gaps for the linebackers and make them able to play downhill. Hopefully they don't get pushed around like they got pushed around last year, but I think it was easier to push them around last year because they sat a guy right in front of the center, they sat a guy right in front of the tackle and a guy right in front of the other tackle and put a guy on the outside. That's yeah. You leave the guards uncovered and just say, "Hey, come and knock me in the mouth. Don't come off the ball." And hey, come and punch me in the mouth. And that's I think that's why it was easier for them to lose the line of scrimmage. And Army showed how inequipped they were to hell to mess with anybody that was hitting them in the mouth. I watched that yesterday actually, and Ryan Jones has still not kept contained. <laughs> it yeah, was, it was yeah. Uh, yeah, Ron this, Jones didn't have a good game that game. He didn't have a good game. Texas game, he had a bad last season for the, sure. The fortunate thing for Alex Grinch is uh, OU's return game against Army is not until next year. So he has like one year to kind of like 
understand what's going to happen, how to how to work around things. But I guess one more thing on Gallimore. The second thought I had was maybe this can help him and Rufus. We we kind of talked about this a, a, an episode ago. Maybe this can maybe help him avoid some of those nagging injuries that would pile up by the middle midpoint of the year, and it would just really take him out of a lot of games and take him out of a lot of consistency because he would he flashes um, early. Every single year he's been at OU, just showing off the athleticism and the speed and the power. And then an ankle injury, you know, something, an arm, an elbow, and that talent just kind of goes away. And you hope, at least I do, going a little bit smaller, hopefully that takes away some of the stress on his body once, you know, the eventual injuries and nagging injuries kind of pile up as the season wears along. I'm hoping more for... Um, I, I like what you're saying there. I'm hoping more for a guy to come in and kind of spell him a little bit. I, I think take a little bit more of the less less reps off of him and keep those guys fresh so they're going and they're slanting different gaps all throughout the game and staying fresh and healthy throughout the season. Um, when you're playing in the Big 12, you know, playing 80 snap games and 70, 80 snap games is a big is a big thing in the Big 12. It's a big possibility, especially with the way our offense would score a lot of points also. Um, they had a lot of explosive plays, even though sometimes you try to slow the game down and play it a little bit slower. I mean, you couldn't help I me. Mean, CeeDee Lamb, I mean, Hollywood Brown, those guys getting out there and, and making explosive plays. So you have to play out there a little bit more. So you kind of may want to bring your snaps down a little bit as much as you can. Um, you go back and you also look at um, um, whenever they get into Big 12 play, you know, when they play against teams that play a little bit up-tempo and play a lot more snaps, you want to find that other guy that can help you out and give you some snaps and get some play for you. And uh, I think that guy is going to be – he's going to have to be Q Overton. He's going to have to be a guy that uh, that that steps up and, and become a, a, a part of this defense because he has a lot of nagging injuries as well. And he's never really healthy throughout an entire season. So we're talking D line. Sorry, I've been I've been uh, preoccupied with some other stuff. It's okay, you have a concussion. Yeah, uh, I think I, I think I, I mean, might. and Falmontu as well can be a guy that can yeah. get in that position as well. That's three guys that you need to add that position to help keep him healthy. I had to swing by Walmart, uh, Walgreens on the way over here and get one of those little ice compression uh, little ice packs. So anyway, yeah, no, uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm eager to see after talking with uh, Neville today, I'm eager to see what uh, and and Lincoln Riley said it himself. Uh, if you name one position that uh, he's eager to see, he's most eager to see how they've progressed and how they've taken to the coaching, and how they've taken to the changes and all that. It's the defensive line, and I think if they're, I think if the defensive line shows that it's capable, which I think they are. I st- I've been saying this all off season. They're still good players. They were good players when they were in high school. They were good players when they were recruited, when they committed to OU, when they signed. They were good players. Sometimes it happens when you get to college. You get to the next level. You get a little. Your head gets clouded. A little too much coaching. You start to see uh, people la- lacking productivity. You start to see paralysis by analysis. I think that's what we've seen a lot of in the secondary. Some at the linebacker and as well as uh, on the defensive line across the board for the OU defense. I do think that they will be better this year because Alex Grinch has instituted more acting and, and less reacting. So uh, he, he's instilled also, I don't care what happens, the, the mindset of I don't care what happens as long as I'm doing it at 100 miles an hour. I don't care where I make the tackle as long as I'm in the backfield when the guy goes down. You know what I mean? They're, they've changed their mindset. Instead of grabbing a guy and waiting to see, is he running toward me or is he running toward – they're going to getting it. Yeah, I'm running straight through your face. They're yeah. going to getting the football, and that's been, been impressive. And then the other part of it, 
is the easy part, the turnovers. The Lincoln Riley, uh, Grant Calcaterra had a quote today. It was just fantastic. He said, you know, you don't, you don't even have pads on the first day of spring practice. He said, but first day of spring practice, that's the most worn out, the sorest, uh, most beat up that I've ever been after a practice without pads. The first day of spring practice, because the defense was out there saying, watch this. And they were stripping at the football and hacking at arms and stuff. So Calcaterra's like, this is this is different. He he volunteered that up today. This defense looks different, feels different. Yeah, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. I, I've been to a few spring practices, and I remember whenever we did spring. I mean, we were always jamming guys, hitting guys hard. I mean, you 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 bump into somebody a little bit harder. I mean, especially Adrian. I mean, Adrian would try to run into you if he had pads on. If he didn't have pads on, so you either had to bump into him or move the heck out of his way. But defensive line-wise, though, if we keep on talking about it, I think a guy that's going to be give him some good plays is, uh, is Stripling as well. He's going to be a, a young player. I think he has really good moves at the D-line position. Who talked about him this past week, John? Who mentioned Marcus Stripling? I didn't, I didn't hear that. Some, some, uh, some assistant coach like glowed about him, saying that he's really come on over the well, last was few weeks. Uh, was it Thibodeau? Probably was Thibodeau. Yeah. That would make sense. But, yeah, I mean, Stripling, the depth has to be – like that's yep. that's where it has to be. Um, I mean, it doesn't matter if Gallimore is an All American. Like he just needs to be at least solid, and then the guys behind him have to make an impact in one way, one way or another. I, I think they. I mean, if, when you're going to look at it, I think you have Laurent. You have Laurent Stokes is going to be a guy that's going to be an immediate impact person. Uh, Stripling is going to be a guy. I mean, you're going to be able to go to a smaller speed, really speed defensive line if you want to go with a pass rush type of situation wherever you can take Leron, move him in a little bit at a D-tackle type of situation and get some easy rushes as well there from him just to kind of spell Neville out of there if you wanted to, just to kind of get – and you, you kind of have a blitz package that comes in and do stuff. I mean, I think Grinch is one of the best people for this job because he didn't have the biggest people at Washington State playing defensive line. He played – with a multiple looks of different guys and I mean slanted them guys that just was really try hard guys and now he's done it with some guys that may be a little a lot more athletic and then it also helps him out that they're getting Redmond back Redmond is an absolute monster I'm telling you the kid is going to jump off the film at a lot of people and he's going to make some things happen in the first game I mean he's probably going to overwhelm a few people for Houston in the, in the beginning hell I had I had to randomly cover one Midwest City uh, football game his senior year uh, for the Edmond Sun um, one of the Edmond schools I had to cover um, was playing Midwest City and watching him go up against you know like a a regular kid that was 17 18 years old at left tackle it <laughs> I was like, man, that poor kid. This is a monster. But yeah, that's that's the hope. And I, well, I guess one more thing, John, about what Lincoln said about uh, the defensive line being the thing that he's most excited to see. I kind of took that example as just, I wonder how much Lincoln is putting stock into the defensive line of if they show up this game, if they wreak havoc, if they disrupt Houston's offense at the point of attack and the line of scrimmage, then moving forward, we have something good to work with. If it's not, if it's not there then the defense is going to – It's it may not struggle to the point like it did last year where they were the worst mm-hmm. defense in the country, but it's going to be a longer process yeah. that wasn't figured out in spring and fall right. under Alex Grinch. And Lincoln cautioned that it is going to be a process. Uh, so don't overreact. If you see something great, that doesn't mean it's going to be great all season long. If you see something bad, that doesn't mean it's going to be bad all season long. Uh, Houston, a lot better offensively than what Florida Atlantic was, what UCLA was last year. So – if Houston gets off a little bit, I don't think it's reason to panic. 
if Houston uh, can't s- suddenly, you know, t- hang on to the football or can't get out of its own way offensively. Maybe that's on Houston more than it is on the Sooner defense. But I think that's something like you're saying, something to build on. It's something to be encouraged about. If Derek King is throwing 70-yard touchdown passes, averaging one a quarter, you know, and scrambling around and making guys miss, and, and you know, nobody can tackle anybody in space, the, the run fits are off, the, the B gap is clogged, and so the A gap suddenly becomes the lane, the fastest lane to the end zone. If that's the case, then there's going to be problems. I think that, you're, there, yeah, it's going to be a work in progress. There's going to be progress that has to be made. But you're right. If it happens in week one, I think there's, there's cause for red flags. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so, too. If you, you look at it, if it's happening in week one, you have a lot of busts, a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of bad plays, guys not understanding what's going on. You get back to the, to the sideline, you come back in, some of the same things happen. Then you're kind of like, holy crap. We have the you're looking at a whole total overall of the whole entire defense that needs to happen, and you have no talent out there. But I don't I don't think it's that. I think these guys are going to be they're going to do fine. I, I'm looking for these guys to have a really solid game against uh, against Houston. Um, and also a guy we forgot. I think Isaiah Thomas is going to be a guy that's going to be that's gonna huge plays. Huge um, Isaiah Thomas. I mean. I've watched some practices, and he's been a guy that's really given you – that really did some things that will make you say, oh, okay. This is kind of something that I wanted to – I thought I would see earlier on from this guy, and he's actually playing really well. I, I thought he had a really good camp as well. Uh, even some things that Tib said. Tib, Tib even talked about him and said Isaiah Thomas is doing some good things in camp. I have no doubt Houston, they're extremely talented offensively, and they've got a quarterback, they've got an offense, and they even have it a head coach, even though Holgerson, I think, has only beaten OU once, like as an assistant, as a head coach, whatever. Um, they've got a system that if OU walk, just sleepwalks into the season opener just thinking they're going to hang half a hundred on everybody and it's going to be over by halftime, then, yeah, Houston's going to make it interesting. Uh, but the thing is – Houston's defense has to stop Oklahoma's offense. And I guess now we can segue over to the offense. The depth chart wasn't released, John. Uh, Rufus, I don't know if you saw the uh, eye emoji on the uh, depth chart sheet. It'll be released later on. John has it right there for everybody watching on camera. Yeah, it's it's become kind of a new tradition, I guess, at OU to do that. And uh, Rufus, I was talking to you earlier, and I have no idea how I just completely brain lapsed this, but uh, Dana Holgerson talked basically through shade at OU for doing that. I mean, I don't know why. It's 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 just a silly thing that OU does. Holgerson threw um, OU under the bus for doing that. Um, and I was trying to remember, Rufus, if there was ever a time when during your playing career at OU, if there was an, an opposing coach, opposing player that said something midweek that may have pissed you guys off. I have no idea why. I totally forgot about Les Miles. But, the Les I mean, Miles interview. What, I mean, what, what did that do for you guys? Man, I remember the coaches walking in there and effing bombing. That's the first time I heard Coach Stoops was, like, like legitimately pissed. And, like, not to say you really say pissed, but, like, almost like, how dare this SOB come in here and say this crap? All right, we're going to show them. We're going to F and show them. I mean, and then here comes Mike Stoops. And I, mean, I think here comes Brent Venables. And what he had to say, I mean, it was a heated, heated room, a heated practice, heated film room. Everything was so 
Everything I mean, was on edge, man. It, I mean, it was like you get into practice and somebody was getting smacked. It didn't matter if it was the offensive line smacking the defense, the defensive line smack. I mean, nobody was off limits that week. And we got into the game. I mean, they couldn't score on the one inch yard line. Yeah, I think that was the worst beating Sam May, Sam Mays ever took. I'll ask him Dan, about it. <laughs> I remember Dan, like I'm saying. I remember we was all warming up, and like Dan Cody legit was just didn't warm up. He just yelled the whole entire time. <laughs> Thank God he didn't pass out. No, it's interesting because I actually fifty two to nine um, is interesting because I actually watched that game like a week and a half ago on YouTube and. Uh, right at the beginning of the game, they showed this little clip from Bob Stoops' press conference that Monday um, before the before the game, and he was saying, "Yeah, I don't know why they would be. Um, um, I, d- I don't know why they would care about us. They've dominated us the last two years. So it's interesting to see that. No, Bob was pissed off. Oh, oh yeah, Bob was. He was legit upset, and it was it was a, a like I said, it was a spirited practice, and it was. It was no letting up on anybody. Nobody could complain about getting hit. Nobody could complain about anything. It didn't matter. Get your get your ass up. Let's go. I mean, it was go, 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 go. And it was, I mean, the juices were gone before the game even, like, took off. And I remember the day of the game, um, we woke up. It was like a little mist. It was a mist outside. It was misty outside. And I remember Brandon Everidge. Who else was it? It was Brandon. Oh, I forgot. Was Brandon Never still there? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Book. Yeah. Book was. It was Brandon Everage, and they came in the hallway. Get, I mean, it was like a, a loud yell down the hall early in the morning. You never usually get somebody out there <laughs> yelling loud in the hall early in the morning. And I mean, it was everybody in the hallway ready to go. And it was a. It was one of those games where you can feel it early in the morning that something was about to explode and those guys was ready to go. That's awesome. That's a, I will recall for you my perspective on that game as long as we're talking about it. Uh, this will be an eye-opener to some viewers and listeners. I wasn't on the OU beat that season. I was on the OSU beat. So I was still working for the Tulsa World, 2003, my second year on the OSU beat. I was in College Station when OSU won that game. I was at the, I was at the little dank, dark little under the stairs interview room when Les Miles popped off, and he said two teams are going to meet. One of them is the best team in the country. We're told, <laughs> and the other one's a pretty dang good football team. We're going to see which one's which. And then, I can't wait for the Kansas game. Being up in the press box before that game, okay, I was up in the OU press box. We didn't get to see his. Whoever it was he was talking to, whichever sideline reporter he was talking to, did you catch that on the pre on the game you watched? Uh, it was Jack Root. Uh, was it? I thought it was a I thought it was a female. I thought it was a yeah, woman. Yeah, a lady. Yeah, oh, Holly Rowe or somebody. Let her rip! And I just when I got back and I saw that, I just thought, oh, Les, you 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 did it in College Station and you did it in Norman. This is not going to turn out well, and it did not. That was as one-sided a football game because 52-9 to nine wasn't even nearly as close as it was. You guys could have scored 70, yeah, it was and getting, they scored nine almost by accident, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. They were getting thumped, man. I mean, it was, it was some hitting going on out there that I was like, oh. <laughs> Remember the Mark Bradley touchdown pass? Who did he throw? The Mark, Mark Clayton, Clayton. yeah, yeah, the halfback pass, yeah. What a pass. Oh, no, what a receiver reverse pass, yeah. whatever. Oh, dude, they were they were. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, Dan Cody first play of the game. Sam Mays can attest to this, <laughs> and he hit uh, was Josh Fields, and it was. I mean, I mean the the offensive tackle's legs was up in the air, and he was <laughs> gone. It, it was a legit. 
It was a legit butt kicking, and that was the last time we had that kind of situation. That was after now. To be fair, that was after a really bad underdog OSU team beat you guys beat in 2001. In, uh, and then OSU. 2002 in Stillwater, another pretty good OSU underdog team for against a team that was national championship worthy that year for you guys. Yeah. They shocked the hell out of you. And, and your defensive coaches were roaming up and down the sidelines saying, I don't know why he was so open. That was so they had reason Why to. Why was it so open? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Mike, and, I mean, Mike yeah. and Brand are sitting there going, I don't know. Let's ask Eric Bassey. I mean, yeah, that's one of them. <laughs> I mean, but no, uh, they had, but a they had reason. They had reason in 2003 to be, even though that OU team was unbelievably good, they had reason to go into that game and thinking, hey, we got a chance. The, yeah. Those two teams that came before us that were not that good. We beat the hell out of OU in, twice. In 2002, they had like a little scheme where they were uh, putting the formation into the boundary and they would make the corner. Oh, we had a habit of playing with the, our corner and run support. And Les Miles kind of picked up on it and he put a receiver out wide and he ran to that run support that we would have. And it was Andre Wolfo and he had to play from way out off the hash and play in and make a tackle. And he, it was just, it was impossible for him to do that. And all we needed to do was flip the formation and stuff, uh, flip our defense and put it back to the boundary, and it just just didn't happen. And they had a, he had a good scheme that day. By the time we figured things change in the second half, and we were mounting a comeback, but it was just not enough time to come back from all the points that they were down because they really didn't do much in the second half of that game. Oh, LSU? No, uh, OSU. OSU, OSU, OSU in, in, in 02. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that was. They didn't do much in that second half, but that first half, though, they were. I remember the message board rumor was uh, Brandon Everidge rolled his ankle coming down the ramp before the game. Did that actually happen? Yeah, he did. He, really? Yeah. Okay. So that's actually when true. When you're coming down the that OSU ramp, when you're coming down at the end part of it, it's like really slick. Like if you have cleats on, and I mean, it's like. Very, very slick. Yeah, and you're all there's like sixty of you guys all running. I mean, <laughs> you're all you coming down, and everybody's like, hey, and it was, and it's, it was said though, guys, be careful coming down the ramp. At the end of the ramp is going to be really slick. You know, we all coming down the ramp. You know, you know how book is. He all she. That's classic words, but he's coming down, and he's just bam. You know, it, it was just a, it was an awkward game, man. It was a weird game, um, but they got the best of them that day. Those things happen, but I guess like. With Houston, I, I wonder because, like, like Dana said, that it wasn't really that it wasn't of a less miles magnitude throwing. I don't shade, think it's no big thing. It's it's no big thing, but I mean, Grinch, Riley, they need to use anything that they can to get this defense. I mean, I have no doubt this defense is motivated. I don't um, think Dana's, just. I think Dana's more worried about the casino than. Shh! <laughs> <laughs> don't tell nobody. <laughs> well, you got, well, you got to stay up late. Get the. Uh, get the jackpot drink all those red bulls stay up real late but um no uh rufus i was just curious uh with the from the offensive standpoint uh for ou i mean what do you want to see do you want to see jalen go out there and basically prove every single doubter like he he's got the arm talent he's got everything that it takes to run a lincoln riley offense or do you just want OU to just basically say we've got an offensive line that we need to they need to figure it out quickly and in order to do that let's run let's get some run plays in. We've got great running backs. We've got running backs who haven't even played yet that apparently Marcus Major, that apparently people are saying he's going to be a star. So you've got not only the running backs, you've got Jalen Hurts, who's basically a running back in and of himself. Go out there and just run it down their throat. So I'm just curious, what do you want to see? I want to see him run the ball. I'm always, I love a good power run football game. Um, I'm just saying, 
Look, I'm going to say have caution because I think you take – I think this offense takes a step back. You don't take a guy you – know, everybody said, well, he went 25-2 and two in the experience and all that stuff. That guy could not win his job back from a freshman who came in a half in a, in a championship game after he won a national championship himself. Like, you know, after going to a championship himself and couldn't win his job back through a whole season. I mean, the same guy who played with a number one or two defense the whole entire time, so the pressure of scoring a lot was never on him. The same guy who also played in an SEC that was pretty much anemic at the quarterback position on every other team, and he was the best guy in that league. So I think you have to come in here with a little bit of caution because now you're playing with a whole brand-new offensive line, and you may have to score points at a faster clip than you've had to, had to score at Alabama. So what type of pressure does that put on him to be able to perform like that? right now off the bat because Alabama they never really they never there wasn't a lot of those situations he was never in a lot of those situations so um I think you know you want this you for OU you want to be able to have a solid run game to really open things up for him so I want to see OU I and what I personally want to see when I think they're going to do they're going to try to establish this run game so it opens up everything for him in the past game so he can see everything a lot clearer, not just drop him back like they did with Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray from the get-go because he's used to throwing in a lot of open lanes because Alabama was really heavy run. They ran the ball really well in all these, in a lot of their games they played in, so a lot of the windows was really open. So, oh, you need to establish the run game. And with a brand-new offensive line, you want to put them in a fish, in a fist fight from the get-go. Um, see what they got. See if they can push Houston around. Test them, test those guys early. If they can push Houston around early and can dominate the line of scrimmage, then you can really let Jalen Hurts settle in. But I'm just, I think, think, think people should have caution when you're you're looking at it because of all those things that I pointed out. I'll, you'd be foolish to go into this game and not point out all the things that happened while he was at Alabama, what he had to face when he was at Alabama, what he played with on the other side when he was at Alabama. He didn't have to score. Mm-hmm. I mean, if he scored 14 points in some games, Alabama yeah. beat more teams 14-0. So the pressure of Alabama having to score 40 and 50 points was never there. OU, Baker, Mayfield, Kyler Murray, those guys had the pressure of having to score 40, 50 points. So if this Houston game gets to where the defense struggles a little bit and learning their new defensive coordinator, learning their new defense, can he be a guy that go tit for tat? with another equally good quarterback on the other side of the ball. I think he'll find it easier to do that playing a Big 12 schedule than he would than he ever did in the SEC. Uh but but two things when when uh when he was a freshman, when Jalen was a freshman at Alabama, he was out there running the read option and he was out there running uh keepers and draws. He was part of the designed running game because he has the ability to do that. Alabama Nick Saban and them had had essentially had uh, AJ McCarron, uh, uh, what's the redhead's name that's on TV now? McElroy. Greg, Greg McElroy. They had they had quarterbacks who were nothing but pocket pocket passers. Okay, he gets in there and he's like, I can do some other stuff. Nick Saban never had a quarterback like that, so he used him to rush for almost a thousand yards his freshman year, freshman of the year, offensive player of the year. I think you're going to see some of that. I think you're going to see him be a guy who. 
uh, in Lincoln Riley's offense where everybody is fearing tempo and everybody's fearing wide open running lane, uh, you know, wide open uh, pass routes and 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 seams down the field that that nobody's covering. I think you're going to see Jalen surprise some people unexpectedly with the run game. And the reason I say that is a brand new offensive line, four fifths of the offensive line, eighty percent of those guys essentially never played before in college football. That's the thing. That offensive line right now, to me, is the thing that needs the most work, the most attention. Defenses are going to gang up and say, "You're not running the football on us because we don't think Jalen's going to beat us with his arm." You're not. We're going to stack eight in the box. We're going to stack nine in the box sometimes, and that's where Jalen is going to be able to come in and say, "Okay, here's you're, you're going to stack. You're going to take away the run game. You're going to take away Trey Sermon, Kennedy Brooks, T.J. Pledger, uh, Marcus Major, whoever else." Okay, fine. I'll keep it myself. And you're going to see him popping those runs out that, uh, that Kyler. Remember, we would ask Lincoln last year, how much you want to run Kyler? Do you want to, do you want to involve him in the run game? Do you want to design? And he would be like, ideally, we don't. Ideally, we don't want to make him a design part of the run game. If he runs, fine. But we're not going to make him do it. I think it's going to be a little different with Jalen this year. I think they're going to make him do it. I, I, I mean – and they may make him do it, but it's not going to be out of some zone, some some way that Alabama did it. I mean, you may do, you may have a few low power QB counters or whatever. I mean, it's basically just the please, same thing without the running back. Please on third and shorts, just do it. It's so it's just don't overthink it. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be something. I mean, he's a big guy. I mean, it's not it's not. I mean, he it's no secret he is a big guy, but um, he's going to have to when they go nine in the box. You can't run the ball with Jalen Hurts. You have to be able to make them guard all the receiver weapons that you have out there. That's that's the difference in the offense. Whenever you have a Kyler Murray, you have a a Baker Mayfield of those guys, and that's what I think made him lose his job to Tua Tagovailoa is because when they put eight or nine in the box to stop the run, and Alabama couldn't run the ball, he couldn't drive the ball down the field. You get into those situation where it's three yards, two yards, three yards, and they blitz people, and you can't get the ball down the field. That's trouble. So he's gonna have to be able to get the ball down the field when they come to saying, "Well, you know what? I don't believe you can pass the ball." That's why he lost his job because that's what they said. That's what Georgia said. I don't believe you can pass the ball. I'm gonna dare you to beat me to beat me with your arm. Alabama. He said, they said, Alabama, we're going to shut down your run game. Put the ball in his hand. And I would do that if I'm a player. If I'm a coach on the other side, I, was, I would do the same thing too. I would say, hey, look, put the ball in your hand. Beat me. And he was, he was successful against a really good Georgia defense doing that. Two drives. Two drives. Yeah. But, as a, again, you go in thinking, I'm going to play against Tua Tungvaloa. We, we've and, seen so yeah, many. Yeah, we, I'm, I'm going to go in and play against Tua Tungvaloa and not worry about a running quarterback. And then, oh, I'm going to put him in there and let him go ahead and go. Yeah, we, now I'm running around now like, oh, crap. Now and, i gotta, well, I got to change my mind for a guy, for a running guy. When they had a plan for him in that, in that championship game that year before that, that wasn't the same guy than the guy that is that was there now, you know? I mean, as cool as a moment as that was for Jalen Hurts in Alabama and now OU fans, because a lot of Sooner fans are pointing to that moment, we've seen so many backup quarterbacks in college come off the bench, and the opposing defense has no plan for him, like you were saying. I mean, uh, Trevor Knight. 
Blake, Blake Bell. <laughs> I was I, mean, st- hey, I was still on. shocked that Blake Bell didn't start that uh, Alabama Sugar Bowl. Of course, like the right decision was made, but um, you have yeah. Once it goes away from the game that you just shined in, and you have a long weeks of practice, a lot of things show up again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of bad habits show up again. And you're like, hey, you know what? Ah, you know what? He may have shocked somebody that day, but not right now. Rufus, I'm trying. Not- you can just get in there and play, right? Just go, just go play. Just throw the football. You know the plays. Here's here's four plays we're going to run. Run them. You don't have to overthink it, right? Yeah. I'm trying not to drink, Rufus, so let's not bring up the 2014 season. But <laughs> in the same spirit, though, because I feel like we've mentioned the Army game like 12 times on this podcast. So, podcast listeners, every time we mention the Army game, just take a shot. Uh, but watching that game, I wanted to go back real quick to that point where you were saying that the uh, pressure to score, it, it's it's much more there than it was at Alabama for Jalen Hurts. Watching that Army game, OU didn't have their third possession until midway through the second quarter because Army was just marching down the field, just four yards, three yards, four yards, going forward on fourth down, eating up the clock. And um, to OU's um, offensive's uh, Thank you, credit- Army, for, stop, for stopping doing that and just said, hey, I'm going to throw the ball. Yeah, I'm going to just randomly it. throw it. Yeah. Uh, to OU's offense's credit, they did score three touchdowns on their first three drives, but as the game wore on, that pressure started them out because the clock was getting, it was getting later in the game and OU hadn't pulled away yet. But it was mainly because OU's offense hadn't touched it. In the second, um, the offense had to punt. That's when the momentum of that game really swung, and that's the fear. Jalen Hurts hasn't made the necessary improvements to his game. That's the fear that you have. That pressure is now there much more so than it was at Alabama. Can he do it? But I guess to what John was saying earlier, the main question is, does the Big 12 have a defensive unit that can do that, that can dare Jalen Hurts to uh, beat them with their arm outside of Texas, but even Texas, Iowa yeah. State. and well, they're playing go- against Houston this first game. We we over there jumping in the Big 12. This is not a Big 12 off. This is a big. This is a different defense. Fair, fair enough. I mean, so we, we have to see how they play against Houston, and Houston have guys. They have guys that can play. There's guys that, that, live, that live right down the street from Houston that said they're not leaving home and went to Houston. So you're looking at a place that have guys that can really play the game, uh, guys that OU would probably have offered to to come to their school. So you can look at that and say, well, Houston's going to come out there and play with a lot of athletic guys with speed, with guys that can cover the ball. Um, although uh, I think Houston's pretty thin at the cornerback position, but they're going to come with some guys that's very athletic at the defensive line position, that's very athletic at the offense, at the linebacker position. I played against Houston. Um, and they came, yeah, with Art Browse. I mean, and they came in with a good skill set and a good set of guys that can come out and play and they can run by you and do different things. So um, don't come into this game and just think, well, you know, just because this is Houston, this is not a Big 12 style of defense. But, I mean, you have a Big 12 coach now coaching him. If he goes to the 3-3 stack, that's the thing I would say. How will – Dana Horgelson come in here and play defense against OU. Will he continue with the 3-3 stack defense? If he does that, OU scores 50. They will run the ball down there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no question. If they, they if, Just like they did every year with West Virginia, the, if they come light with that line, with that front seven, Is, yeah. OU will run the ball They'll have down their throat. 350 yards rushing, easy. Yeah. But here's what, something else I'll say, too. Ed Oliver's not walking through that door. Hell no, they like. Hey, I mean, every guy, even Creed Humphrey, could be thankful that yep. Ed Oliver is not walking through the door. 
Because he he manhandled the whole entire anybody on the defensive on the offensive line that wanted it that year they played against him. He true, gave it to him. True freshman. True freshman. You want it. Psh, 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 you want it. Psh, 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 you want a guard. Psh, psh, and he was out. He I mean he made every tackle he wanted to make. Up and down the line. It you remember those? Most, it was one of the more dominating defensive line positions I've seen playing a little bit in a while. I know we're talking Houston defense right now, but remember those receivers kept making those plays? That to me was one of the first games of the end of the Mike Stoops era when those receivers would just go down and body guys up, go up and catch a jump I ball. Mean, Kerry Cooks like, recruited five foot tall. Yeah, it's like, what are you supposed to do right there? How are you supposed to defend that? What well, do you want Mike Stoops to call? Hey, man, I'm, I'm a, I can drop a linebacker over there to help you. I mean, yeah, but hey, help me out. I right. mean, there's nothing that Mike can do. I mean, I guess we can we can argue about Mike another day, but I mean Mike had his opportunities. Oh, and, we will trust me. And <laughs> I think I don't think Cooks and Mike meshed well. I don't I don't think their their concept of of what they wanted and how the recruiting was going kind of meshed together because smaller corners really didn't fit what they needed to play against the wide receivers that was in the Big Twelve. I mean, everybody was six four, six five, and you're getting smaller and smaller receivers. Who the hell are they gonna cover? Who are you gonna get? You getting smaller and smaller DBs. Who are they gonna cover? They can't cover CD Lamb. I mean, CD Lamb in practice as a true freshman was probably killing them in practice. I mean, Cal Katerra, Andrew stretching, spreading out wide. The Johnson kid at Texas. Yeah, the secondary. If you're practicing, it's the OU secondary. It's an ego boost, is what you're saying. A few years ago, <laughs> right. the, 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 college, the ESPN's College Football 150 that was on the other night, uh, Saturday night after the game, took all of about 30 seconds for the OU pass defense to show up. Did you guys notice that? Jalen Rager in the back of the end zone, and it was Motley falling down on his face. Touchdown, Horn Frogs! I'm like, that, that was the. I mean, it was Tim Tebow followed by an interview, followed by another interview, followed by a, a TCU touchdown against OU's pass defense. I'm like, ugh. And then something else happened, but it, like Rufus is here, so I don't want to bring that up. It, <laughs> pissed, it pissed me off. I was visibly upset. I can only imagine. Uh oh. Um, Sounds like another podcast. <laughs> There will be plenty of time, but uh, as of right now, uh, we got to get John out of here. He's got to get up north to the station for uh, the drive from 6 to 8, so everybody listen to that. 107.7, the franchise Oklahoma City. 107.9, the franchise Tulsa. Yeah. Um, 6 to 8 p.m., the franchise uh, drive. Really quick, before I get the last little housekeeping note out of here, Starlin Baldwin off the team. Thoughts on that one? Zero. Zero I mean, thoughts. He never got on the field. I mean, you, yeah. never, you never got to see his talent, what he brought to the team. Uh, he was a guy that was injured, unfortunately, because of an ACL injury. But, I mean, he didn't fight to get back on the field if his, if his knee didn't come back the way he wanted it to. I mean, that's unfortunate. I mean, you wish him the best. But, I mean, he didn't bring anything to a bad defense. And he, didn't, he wasn't contributing right now to a bad defense. So you move on. I mean, if, you, if a kid's not going to do what he's supposed to do and he's not going give to you, give you what he needs, I mean, those kids can go into the portal any, any time they want to. You can move on from the kid right now. So, hey, wish that, wish that kid the best, and hopefully he gets better and gets somewhere and, and become a better player. And uh, Rufus, really quick, I just wanted to give you a chance. Cause I, I kept meaning to the last two episodes that we've done, and I – for whatever reason, I forgot. I just want to give uh, everybody a chance to uh, listen to because outside of your franchise responsibilities covering OU and this podcast, of course, you do something else covering OU football. I just want to give you a chance right. to talk about it. Along with doing the sideline reporting for OU, we, I'm also doing the fifth quarter. We kind of doing something that where we can interact with the fans, and it's me. I interact with the fans via a chat messenger and stuff 
as well as we do videos, podcasts. I'm going to break down this season's going to come in and break down some of the stuff you see in the games. I'm going to bring break down a few film things, things that I've done when I was in college and how I studied film as well. So you guys can see that and see how it all goes down and break down plays for you and to see why it worked and why it didn't work, what the mistakes that the guy made as far as either steps, eyes, bad movement, bad feet, bad hands, defensive lineman getting cut off, whatever it was, or it was just a damn good play by the offense and nothing the defense can do. You just got to make the tackle. So that's what I'm excited to do, and that's my other thing that I'm doing with the fifth quarter. That sounds really fascinating. I'd like to watch some of that. Do, do you have any concern that you're rusty? from not having played like you haven't sat down and broke down film like that for a few years um no nah, man i've i've like i said i've watched plenty of football and i watch uh arizona bus field 43 cloud on the against hawaii <laughs> and i was like what in the hell are they thinking what are they doing so no I'm, I'm okay i think i'll be fine a few after a few looks i can break it down pretty easy well yeah uh john any other coverage you're looking forward to this week that we need to know about uh yeah check this out saturday uh, you know, we got Tulsa and, uh, gosh, what are they doing? Tulsa's pl- opening at On the Road um, on Friday, I think. And then, uh, o- yeah, o- OSU uh, is at o- Oregon State on, fr- on Friday. Saturday, I'm going to go cover uh, North Texas Abilene Christian. I'll be, uh, watching the, I'll be watching the fight in Mason Fines. Did you? Well, there you go. This one will be in Denton. Nothing out there. No. Uh, so this one will be in Denton, and uh, so that'll be the day before. That'll be Saturday night, and then I'm coming up, uh, staying the night in Norman on sat- late Saturday night so I can experience the franchises. Get this, 24-hour pregame show. We have a 24-hour pregame show that starts at 6.30 a.m. Saturday no. night. Yeah, it's probably it's probably going to be anchored by TV's Jerry, who, by the way, I noticed on Twitter how also has a head wound. I need to get to the studio and com- compare head wounds with uh, – with TV's Jerry. I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you wish you did, though. Um, everybody, thank you so much for listening to the Inside OU podcast. As always, subscribe, listen, rate, review. Thank you for everybody for watching the video. Um, the video is up on John Hoover's uh, YouTube account, so uh, just type in John E. Hoover, find him, subscribe to his page. You'll get all the video from not just OU coverage, but from the podcast as well. But for Mr. Rufus Alexander and Mr. John Hoover, this is Brady Trantham, and y'all have a good rest of your day. Listen to Brady Trantham Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at Brady Does Sports. Listen to John Hoover weekdays from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Follow him on Twitter at John E. Hoover. Subscribe, rate, and review all the podcasts in the Franchise Podcast Network. The Sam Mays Podcast, All In, Inside OU, OKC82, and Intimate with TV's Jerry can be found in all the places you listen to your podcasts. Seriously, just subscribe. You don't even have to listen.